KXNO's Thirsty Thursday continues now with the Cyclone Fanatic Radio Show. We're now proudly presented by our friends at the Iowa State University Foundation. Right now, Iowa State students and faculty are giving their best to make our state and world a safer and healthier place. Your gift to Iowa State can move what matters, from opening doors to a great education and sharing Iowa State's best with the world. Make a gift at movewhatmatters.com. Now, for the latest on all things Cyclones, here's your host, Cyclone Fanatics, Jared Stansberry. Yo, it's another Cyclone Fanatic radio show presented by the Iowa State University Foundation here on Des Moines Sports Station 106.3 Kicks. And oh, I'm Jared Stansberry. Uh, we're going to talk a lot about Iowa State basketball to lead off tonight's show. Uh, and we've got some other topics from around the world of college sports to cover. We've got Cyclone Fanatic publisher Chris Williams here with us. C-Dub, what's going on, man? Uh, busy time of year, good time of year. It seems like everybody has lost their minds after last night, so hopefully we can talk about it and uh, blow off a little steam for everybody out there. Yeah, I think uh, everybody lost their minds, but it was like the most predictable yeah. mind-losing of all time. This is literally what we listen to our yeah. yeah, if yeah. people listened to our corner three the day before, you knew this was coming. It, it played out exactly like we said it would. Yeah, and that I think I think the thing that's frustrating about it is that uh, it uh, it felt like Iowa State probably did enough to to be able to win the game, uh, and it's just there were some things that were taken out of your hands, you know. Which I, that's what I thought was unfortunate about it was how much of it was taken out of the hands of the of mm-hmm. what was happening on the floor, and it just it it just stinks, man. When they blow the whistle, they blew the whistle like fifty times in the second half of the game. When you're getting two whistles a minute, it's just is it's out of control at that point. Yeah. And you know, part of me, it's like there, I could probably argue this like four different ways. One, it's awful to watch, mm-hmm. right? Like if that was the first college basketball game you've ever watched, you'd never watch another one. Cause it's just, there's no flow. It's, it's really a, really a terrible product Two, You know, I, I could make the argument that Iowa state does foul every time. <laughs> Yeah. Oh yeah. 100%. Yeah. Right. So I could, I could make that argument and say, well, quit fouling. Um, and I, and don't be hypocritical Iowa state fans, because you've said that about West Virginia too, in mm-hmm. the past. And there's a reason why when West Virginia comes to Hilton Coliseum over the last 10 years or whatever, they've generally had a really difficult time. Like you're starting to see Iowa state when they go on the road and teams are shooting twice to three times as many free throws as you. And this is, kind of a a symptom of that but three uh i i kind of alluded to this in our pregame podcast and i i think it came right became right and and i'm not saying it's right i do think that those officials who who have called who have officiated final fours like these are not bottom barrel guys like they're not d's on the bloom scale okay I, I do think they went into that game saying, we're not going to let this get out of hand and yeah. with that they let it get out of hand with their own whistleblowing because it got to a point where, you know, and, and, and the hard part, if you're an Iowa state fan watching that game is you have three calls that are overturned against you. You have three starters fouled out of, uh, you know, and then Robert Jones as well. Right. And it, it did like, if you're just a jaded fan, you could convince yourself that that game was rigged against you based on all the crazy things that happened in it. It just yep. was really, really bad across the board. And I don't think this is like a big 12 specific thing. You watch more college basketball than I do, but it seems like every other game I turn on is a ref show. Yeah. Anyway. Yes. And it's just, it's, it's why your generation likes the NBA more because it's a better product. It just is that that's my biggest issue. Like, I don't think Roger Ayers is necessarily a bad official. I mean, he's a top five official, like by most metrics that you would look at for officiating and things like that. And he gets big games and he's been doing it for a long time. So like, obviously there's, he does something that people like enough for him to stick around. I think the guy just blows his whistle too much, you know, Mm -hmm. like that's what it boiled down to me last night is I thought that the guys just blew the whistle too much. And it, it felt like they were trying too hard to find things where sometimes there wasn't anything there to find, you know? And I thought the decision to go to the monitor and look at the play where, uh, where Robert Jones got the, got called for a technical because the, 
West Virginia guy ran into his shoulder with his face because his own guy didn't communicate to him that there was a screen coming. And then you call and then you give Robert a class A technical for that. And then he fouls out a couple minutes later. Like those things to me, you're trying too hard. You know, mm -hmm. you're doing too much. And that's what, what I, I, the more Literally. that I watch these things that happen in these games, I feel like this is why we need more standardized, uh, controlled officiated in college basketball. And I don't know the best way to go about this, but it has to be more like it is in football where you can have a, like a des designated infrastructure for people that are evaluating these things and people that are figuring out and just talking with officials, how do we officiate our games better than what we're doing right now? Because I think right now, because you get these guys that jump around where you've got John Higgins who could be doing a PAC 12 game, or he could be doing a game in the Sun Belt, or like do all these different kinds of leagues. And then all of a sudden he comes and do does a big 12 game. That's jarring. Like that's a huge leap in physicality. And that, and when you've done 25 games in 30 days or whatever it's been, like how can any official do their job at a high level at that point, you know, and you're just setting these guys up for failure. And that's what drives me crazy about it. And we have to figure out a way to get it to where these guys are going to be. If you're not under the umbrella of one conference, it's one or two. And you're maybe doing four or five games a week at most, if not just doing two or three. And then that makes it to where then the place, the leagues like the big 12, the leagues like the big 10, the sec, the best basketball leagues in America, they're going to compete to get the best officials. And they're going to have a standardized structure for which to, to evaluate their officials and to designate how they want their officials to call games in order to make their product better. Because that's just, that, that's what drives me insane about it. And I, I agree 100% with what you said. If you are someone who watched your first college basketball game last night, and it was this one, I thought you would have seen a game with two really good teams that are both going to be in the NCAA tournament and both have a ton of talent on both ends and are really, really tough basketball teams. But the officials took that out of their hands and took away the opportunity for those guys to put that on to display. And I just, there has to be a better way for us to do it. The one thing too is the amount of like over rules that we've seen this year seems up mm -hmm. and I, I don't have any data to back it up. But I mean, I, I do think some of the old timers listening who go to games, right. we see it's harder to tell when you watch a game on television, but I feel like I've seen four or five times in big 12 play where one guy makes a call and then it's overruled. And it's not like the guy goes, Oh, I'm out of position. Do you have an opinion? No, yeah. no it's another guy runs in. Right. And makes the overrule and that, so the problem Which play was it last night that happened? Was it when grill got called for a foul? Going up for, yeah. Yeah. The and travels, Ayers, they call yeah, it travel Ayers sprints in and overrules the other official. And that to me, if I'm that's that other official, get, that's where fans get the conspiracy theory stuff. If I'm the other official, I'm mad that he just yeah. did that to me because Absolutely. he's right there. And he's like, bro, you're, you're running in from clear out there. That's a, a veteran official trying to, uh, sling his, you know, you know what around that, against that a, happened a at younger tech, one. That happened at Tech and that happened at Oklahoma State too. And it's just like I'm sure it it is it just seems to me I'd love to get some insight from some of our listeners. It seems like that is not just at Iowa State games, that that's just happening more and more. And I, I don't know. Maybe it's is it possible that like what you're saying, they're they're working so much that they don't work together as well because there's not Kind of, I, I don't know. I don't have an answer to it. Blue would be better to have on this conversation than me. I, I My mean, point I think though, that, that would be logical. You know, if it's like, if yeah, you know I, that on any given, any given night, the most games you're going to have is five. So, okay. We need to have at minimum 15 officials that are available to work for us, but probably closer to, you know, 20 or 25 guys that are in our general rotation and you're going to have a crew and you're going to work with your crew every week and everybody's going to do, but at the same time we can rotate them to where each team is only going to get the same crew of officials like three times, you know? And it's like that to me seems like a really easy way for you to create that continuity between each other, the communication, the way that, you know, you all work together to know, oh, okay, I know this guy's going to see this. And I know that he does a really good job of being able to recognize these things, but I need to keep a better eye on these things. Like that, just, to me, that just seems really logical. And it doesn't make any sense for it to be the way that it is right now, 
other than it's because the leagues don't want to pay the officials enough for it to be their full-time job for them to be affiliated with just one league. In which case I would say, how much money do we have in all of this college sports space? And we don't have enough money to pay a 25 officials a living wage so that then they can just be the officials for our basketball games. That's insane. You know, that it, I really agree with you. Like, yeah. You're, you're nailing it. And it again, like to me, like, so I look at it, let's, let's go this way. Like, cause you and I are talking, like, I don't want people to misrepresent what we're saying. Cause that happened to me last night. So I, let me, let me put out this. I'm going to read you this tweet that I put out. And of course, you know, it takes two minutes for, group of Iowa fans to say I'm calling it rigged, which is not at all what I was doing. So here's this. Hold on one second. Um, And this was my fault, Jared, because I put this out literally like right after the game when everybody was completely amped up and they were all, you know, fired up and everything anyways. And, but I, but I meant every word of it. So there were two things. One, I said, what's wild is that both of these coaches are fed up with this. The refs have totally ruined a game between two solid NCAA tournament teams. I don't have an answer. It can't be easy officiating teams to play in this aggressive style. All I know is that there is zero flow at all. And then it was after the game when I tweeted out that this was the last – this was the – most fouls that have been called on an Iowa state team since the year 2001, which was a four overtime game. (laughs) Okay. Mm -hmm. So keep that in mind. That's like an extra half of basketball. Yeah. Three calls were overturned against Iowa state. Three starters fouled out four players overall. West Virginia was in the bonus before the 16 and under in the second half, they were in the double bonus seven minutes into the second half. West Virginia made 26 free throws. It's amazing that the Cyclones even had a chance to win this game in the final minutes. And I'm not like you and me are, we're, I want to point out that we're, we're fans of the sport. Yeah. There's not an ounce of me that believes that these officials had money on the game and they wanted West Virginia to win or anything like that. I don't believe that, but I do believe I, I I do see why, like if you're a fanatic of Iowa state and you watch that game and you're like, Oh, well, West Virginia covered at the end. Why were you, yeah. where you could do that? And, but, but, but that's not where I'm going with it. What I'm saying is you and me are coming at this from fans of the sport. Yeah. And we want college basketball to thrive. And, and we I both watch think- a lot of college basketball. So it's like, yes. this is not all just based on, what we saw yes. last night in this Iowa State. No. Yeah. Because I think college basketball is a very bright future in this sense. So what was really the downfall of college basketball really for about 10, 15 years? It was because there weren't stars. The stars were John Calipari and Bob Knight and the Bill Selt, right? Like that, those were the stars. And why was that? Why do you care? Because they're there every year. They're the one constant. Well, I think college basketball is a great opportunity now. When you look at some of these guys that in the past would their stars in college, they can go pro and maybe be a second round pick, or now you can stay and make a million dollars at North Carolina or wherever. And I, I think in, in the, the movement, I think it's going to get really interesting at some point. I think last year it was like, Oh, everybody's afraid of it. Now I think it'll be a little bit like the NBA where it's just like, there's drama and we've got rumors. There's, there's cool stuff that goes with it. The problem is that the style and the officiating and the way this game is called will can bring it down and will, because those were two top 15 teams. If you look at the metrics, West Virginia, I realized was three and seven going into the game, but, but the game sucked. It wasn't entertaining. I would never watch it again. And, and that's a major, major problem. And it's why the NCAA tournament's great too, because they don't call games like that in the NCAA tournament. That has nothing. That looks absolutely nothing like you will see in March madness. And that'll benefit Iowa state. It benefited Iowa state last year Mm -hmm. because you get into the tournament and you just beat the hell out of a team and they don't know what's coming to them. Like you saw against LSU and even to that case, Wisconsin, but 
there there's a reason why these games don't rate high. There's a reason why it's a regional sport until March comes around. And I don't think it's because the players, I don't think it's because the coaches, I think that examples like last night, while extreme are the biggest reason why this sport will stall out because I, there's talent all over the place. There's passion all over the place, but the product simply could be a lot better. Well, and this is why, you know, this will kind of roll into our conversation that we're going to have in segment two. This is why I think the big 12 has an opportunity right now to be an industry leader in this sense of saying, okay, everybody's been telling us for how long that football is all that matters. Well, we're going to be the ones that decide that basketball is going to matter as well. And we're going to put, you know, significant resources into making sure that not only does the big 12 is the big 12, the, the best basketball league in America, which it already is, but it maintains that for a significant amount of time. And that becomes the thing. If you want to play college basketball in the United States of America, and you want to play for the best in the best league against the best and with the best coaches, you play in the big 12. That includes we're going to have the best officials. We're going to have the best infrastructure for everything of the way that we conduct business of playing basketball. It will be as close to a professional sport as you can possibly be without these guys signing professional contracts. That is what it needs to be because that's what it is for football in the sec. If this Mm -hmm. is what the big 12 wants to do, they need to do it, you know, and that's where you got to lock up. If you want John Higgins to be officiating big 12 basketball games, we got to figure out a way to lock this stuff up and get this stuff. Hey, man. You know? Yeah. And it's like, and the money is out there and it, there's the opportunities to do it. And especially if the big 12 wants to go in at a Gonzaga, if they want to go and do whatever to strengthen the basketball league. Like at that point to me, that's the big 12 signaling we're cornering the market. This is going to be our thing. You guys can have football. This is our, our deal. And that's got to be where then the Big 12 is going to be willing to push some boundaries and do things differently than what they've ever been done before. But that is uh, – and I, I don't know. We'll see. I, I thought, again, like I thought last night, I, I think if you play that game 10 times, I think Iowa State probably wins seven of them, to be completely honest. Because I, I thought yeah. Iowa State did a lot, a lot that they could have – they needed to to be able to win. They kept them off the glass. You know, West Virginia didn't – wasn't going crazy shooting the ball or anything like that. Iowa state was doing just enough. It was like, they just sent him to the foul line, like five too many times. Yeah. And I, I felt like, in fact, if I, if I bet a lot on Iowa state and I don't, but I would have pounded Iowa state at halftime, just pounded it mm-hmm. because. Oh, and it <laughs> felt like the officiating had flipped West Virginia went I know. To the line six times in the first 10 I, minutes and then twice in the last 10. So I was I like, thought, Oh, Iowa state's in good spot right now. I thought they were swallowing the whistles. I'm exactly like you. I thought that thing was flipping to Iowa state's favor. I thought Iowa state had a chance to win it by five to 10 points at halftime. I really did. I would have bet a lot of money that Iowa state was in the, the line was like six and a half like that. It, it certainly felt that way. It felt like you had stolen a win from them at halftime to only be down by six as poor as Iowa state played for about seven or eight minutes. And then they played really, really, really well. If Tame and, and Lipsy didn't foul out, I think they probably, they would have totally won. agree with you. I said that on my post game pod last night. Cause he, it was a different side of Tame, And I know you look at it and you go oh, zero assist. That's a weird stat for a point guard, but he kind of did what he needed to do. Jared, and I know you've talked about this a lot on, on your podcast with Jordan and your other stuff is like, he kind of was assertive because he sensed the team needed it. And when he, you go to the Oklahoma state game and you go to last night when he's not in the game, that's when the team stalled out. And there's only so much, so many times Jaron Holmes can bail you out by backing into the lane and, and doing what he does. You, you can do that against some teams, Oklahoma state and those grown ass men playing down low for the Cowboys. And then last night that's harder and harder for a guy to Jaron to com- completely, you know, just do each and every time. And I, I, I thought Taman was brilliant. He made a couple of passes last night that were just insane and I, I, no harm at all. The metrics didn't move at all for Iowa state. Now, if your sole goal is to win a big 12 championship, of course you, you wanted to win that one. But like to me, I, I that would be amazing, and and it's not that I don't care about winning the Big Twelve championship, but for me, this is all about the NCAA tournament and positioning. And from that aspect, it didn't really phase Iowa State at all. Yeah, you could see Tame and Lipsy make a step last night, 
the yeah. confidence he the no three doubt. jump shots that he took during the first that stretch right at the beginning of the second half the he made two mid-range shots uh i think he scored like their first seven or something like that to, to start the second half he, he made like back-to-back a, mid-range like two minutes yeah 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 back-to-back mid-range he made a three later on like that's what they have needed him to be all year long but it was i think it's just been a process for him of finding that confidence and when he stepped into it and was confident and stepped right into that shot man it was that was pure and that's if he can continue to make that happen those two mid-range jumpers the first person i thought of i was like that's monte morris right there (laughs) that that's that's literally what monte did like that was his game you know and i just i was like that's the next thing you know if you can add that that's how you go to that next level and become an even better player which i think we both feel there there was a point in that game where in fact, I almost texted you. I don't think I did, but I was like, if you're just watching again for the, for the first time, you would think Taman is the best player on Iowa State's court. I I think there's a strong case to be made. He's the best basketball player on their team. Like, I, I don't know if that he's the best at any one particular thing besides maybe handling the ball. I was like, he's just a he's, winner. Yeah, dude, just as a really good basketball player. All right, let's talk about uh, some of this recent news with the Pac-12, uh, some more Big 12 uh, expansion possibilities and all the other news and conference realignment when we come back on Cyclone Fanatic Radio on Des Moines Sports Station 106.3 KXNO. Hi, Cyclone fans. This is Dr. Brian Warmey, orthopedic sports medicine surgeon at McFarland Clinic. I really enjoy working with athletes of all ages, including the football team here in town. My colleague, Dr. Greenwald, and I provide specialized orthopedic care to patients of all ages, including sports injury evaluation, treatment, arthroscopic surgery, stem cells, and other biologics. Come see me in Ames for your sports injury needs, and don't let your injury keep you out of your game. Learn more at McFarlandSportsMedicine.com. Go Cyclones. Many people are still working remotely, but a lot are gradually returning to their office, and that workplace has changed forever. Fortunately, dressing well for work has not. Mr. B and Clive has a great variety of different clothing options depending on your personal situation. Whether it's a traditional suit and tie or a casual pant and golf shirt for a Zoom call, we have what you need. Come see for yourself at Mr. B Clothing on 86th Street and Clive. Hey guys, it's Williams here for the Iowa Clinic and the Iowa Clinic Men's Center. This is not just a standard like, oh, I'm going to endorse the Iowa Clinic. No, this is real. I've gone to the Iowa Clinic now for, well, basically since I moved up here. So we're pushing a decade now. Dr. Nicholson in Ankeny is my go-to guy. But I've also had other stuff, you know, specialists I have to go to, all that stuff. And you know why I need to go see the specialist? Because I'm a man and I go to the doctor because I want to be there for my two little girls. I want to be able to walk them down the aisle. I want to be there to hold their babies and be a grandpa someday. Be a man. Go to the doctor. IowaClinic.com. Tell them that Chris Williams and Cyclone Fanatic sent you their way. Hey y'all, Brent Bloom here. Let me tell you about my friends at Nebraska Furniture Mart and Clive. They have a giant new store that they opened up about a year and a half ago. They're in West Clive, right near the Waukee border, my old stomping grounds. And they can help you out with any of your needs. In fact, with a larger warehouse now, a larger selection, they have many items right there at the store. In fact, my mom just needed some new appliances recently. It was an easy call to make. Told her to call Tim Mullen and the guys and gals over at Nebraska Furniture Mart in Clive. And always ask for the price match. They'll help you out. There's something competing out there. Check out our Cyclone Fanatic friends at Nebraska Furniture Mart in Clive. Hey, Cyclone fans, it's Chris Williams. You've heard our friends from the Iowa pork producers. They've been coming on here for the last couple of years. I've been telling you guys about them. I've had the great opportunity to meet so many of our state's great pork producers over the last couple of years, and I've learned so much. One thing specifically, I didn't really know this before. I guess I probably should have, but these pigs are raised in environmentally controlled barns. That helps farmers care for the pigs. They protect the pigs from extreme temperatures, predators, you know, all that stuff. It is so high-tech, some of the stuff that our great pork producers are doing, and they're doing it all to feed our world. And, and, don't forget about this, so you can have some of that delicious Iowa pork at your tailgates coming up this fall. From everyone at Cyclone Fanatic, I'm Chris Williams saying thank you to our state's great pork producers. The Cyclone Fanatic Podcast Network is now fueled by the Mississippi River Distilling Company. It is located in Eau Claire, Iowa and owned by Cyclones. In fact, one of them even used to be Cy. People ask us all the time, how can they help out at Cyclone Fanatic? 
Well, here's a way. You can pick up a delicious bottle of Cody Road bourbon or the very popular Irish cream liqueur. Cycle Fanatic is proud to be fueled by Cody Road. So cheers to our friends at the Mississippi River Distilling Company. And go Cyclones. Welcome back into Cyclone Fanatic Radio here on Des Moines Sports Station 106.3 KXNO. Jared Stansbury, Chris Williams just got done breaking down Iowa State basketball. You can find that on the Cyclone Fanatic Podcast Network uh, tomorrow morning. If you missed that, if you're listening live, uh, if you're listening on the podcast feed, we appreciate you sticking with us. Uh, Chris, some interesting, interesting news coming out this week, or I guess, I don't know about news, reports coming out this week about uh, the Pac-12s I wouldn't say impending media deal, their uh, alleged media negotiations, I suppose, uh, not going as well as what I think everybody in the national media, everybody out West expected them to. Now they're uh, the commissioner of the Pac-12 was at the SMU basketball game last night uh, in a very public display of uh, realignment I don't know positioning. I suppose and I was just saying, that which never is happens. not something that ever happens. Uh, weird deal, man. It feels very much like the PAC 12 is in significant panic mode right now, making some very questionable decisions. <laughs> I just, I don't know. The whole thing's so annoying to me because there were so many, actually not that many. There were just really vocal Pac-12 fanboys for the last year who've been so wrong, like just so, so, so wrong. And it just, what's hard for like, here's the deal. I'm nothing but a independent website hack in central Iowa. You send out text messages to four people and you could find out pretty early on in this thing that the Pac-12 was hurting for media value. This is not difficult. And then you have some of the biggest names in in media just totally whiffing on this story, right? And whatever, it's just. But yeah, like, like there's not a lot of value there, and they're they're probably and this is what they should do. And for a while, I thought this is what the Big Twelve was going to have to do. They they need to absolutely get in bed with and go all in with Amazon or something like that because they'll make more money. Like there's a decent chance that if they did that, that their media rights money could be higher than the big 12, but you're giving up. So I thought that's what the big 12 was going to have to do for the longest time. And your Mark did a pretty damn good job by outmaneuvering the pac 12 and getting the rights up early and, and signing that deal with Fox and ESPN. So now you have a respectable payday and you don't have to go completely away from linear exposure. Cause that, you know, I feel like that's a thing of the future, but I don't really feel like society is there yet. And whatever, like that's that's probably what the big Pac-12 is going to have to do here is with Amazon. But you just wonder, too, it's like, because now the, all the reporting is that the Pac-12 is probably going to get this deal done and then they're going to expand with this. What? What? what if an Arizona is like, no, I don't want to do that. Yeah. Like, is that a, is that a thing right now where the big 12 could add these four and the longer this goes on, the more I think that that's a possibility. And the reality I think is that even if you take, you know, what are some of these numbers that they were throwing out here? This says, uh, that the, they're promised to target North of $40 million, but then they, Right now, they're not certain they would be able to exceed the $31.6 million average that the Big 12 reportedly uh, got when it, it, it re-extended or extended its deal. And you have to sit there and say, okay, well, if we have to go all the way to Amazon, is getting to $40 million going to make up for whatever exposure we're losing by mm-hmm. going off of linear TV? Because it's yeah. like... Yeah. I mean, you're just losing so much. I think that even you look at the NFL, man, like the NFL has not had that much success going all the way with Amazon, you know? So it's like, if the NFL can't do it and it's one game in one of its few games that doesn't compete with any other game, then like the idea that you're going to get anybody to tune into Stanford Cal on Amazon prime, like that just doesn't seem very realistic, you know? And the, if you're on prime, the whole Pac-12 after dark thing is worthless. Yeah. Because that, yeah. 
prime, it doesn't matter. Like you can, it's why when the big 12 has games on big 12, now ESPN plus, they all start at seven o'clock because the time doesn't matter. You don't have windows to fill and stuff like that. So you're kind of taking, you know, maybe the schools would like that, but you're taking the one advantage you have and it's completely out. And like, when you look at Fox, so Fox has nothing to do with the PAC 12 going forward because they're getting, this is what people need to realize. They're getting USC and UCLA and they look at the rest as really, yeah, maybe nice to have Oregon, but we don't really care. They're not the ones that are driving the, the television numbers. The point being that the, the PAC 12 just simply doesn't have competition when it comes to this because it's just ESPN and it's just Amazon. So there's no one to drive up that price. And that's really what, you know, when the big 12 signed its new deal, there were critics out there, <laughs> shockingly, uh, a lot of them being these PAC 12 hacks that were saying that he was leaving money on the table, et cetera. No, he simply realized there's only so much inventory that an ESPN can fill. It's a lot, but there's only so much. And I know this is really geeky of me, but if you read Bob Iger's uh, Disney had an earnings call yesterday, which would have been on Wednesday, depending on when you're listening to this about sports media rights and cutting back and all this stuff. It's like, this is real. There's not just unlimited money to go around here. Like a lot of people would, would make you think. And it, it just looks now hindsight. Like your mark was really, really smart by getting the thing done. Mm-hmm. Sure. You may have left three, $4 million a year on the table per school. I don't know. I'm just throwing out that number, but it really screwed the pac 12 because now there's just no competition. ESPN doesn't have to have that after dark market, right? Like they don't, right. don't have to, they'd like it, but they're not going to overpay for it. You know, you got the, you got BYU at the big, big 12. Now, a lot of those games are going to kick off at nine o'clock. It's you know, right. Like that's, that's kind of why you do it. Um, and there's also the clause in the big 12s deal about expansion. And I just think it's really interesting watching this go down to the wire for one. I have not heard. I don't think it's inevitable or anything like that, that this happens. But again, like is Arizona, like one of the most proud basketball programs in the country going to want to play every game on Amazon? I, I can't answer that, but again, I just feel like the longer this goes on, we'll get out of March. And I think that we could see some fireworks. Yeah. And it, it just, it feels like even the, even the PAC 12 going and, and going to SMU and all these things. And like SMU has been trying really hard to be in a power five conference for a long time. Like they've wanted to be a power five team, yeah. you know, and doing this now, all of a sudden feels very, uh, it feels like you're going on to the big 12s into the big 12s backyard after the big 12 just was rumored to be talking with Gonzaga doing all that kind of stuff going in on the PAC 12s turf it's trying to make someone blink into making the next move, you know? And it's like, I, it, I, it feels I, that's where I, I was sitting there. Listen, I was listening to uh, Dan Wetzel and Pat 40 and Ross Dellinger, which those guys are awesome on, uh, yeah, on that's podcast. The best, on, yeah. That's the best yeah. national podcast in the country. Yeah, it's the best. And, and they were on there talking about how the big 12 could try and then turn around and take SMU. And I was like, man, this feels more like, like, the Pac-12 trying to get the Big 12 to panic and take SMU when there is the possibility of taking some of the Pac-12's teams out there in, you know, out there in that, uh, in the kind of in the wings. I, I, I said this a couple months ago that I thought it'd be great if the Big 12 would go and take San Diego State. Because mm-hmm. <laughs> then they're really screwed. But uh, yeah, but you're right. Like, why would you do that if, if you know that the Arizona schools want to come or, whatever. I honestly, like I'm a little bit like, I don't care because the big 12 is in a much better spot than they have been for a while, which is a positive. I just, I'm already jaded that the round Robin's going away Yeah, in basketball, like with football, it's kind of like whatever I prefer the round Robin, but it's also, I understand the, the war, the way of the world. 
I love this basketball bound rot round Robin so much. And it's, that's going to suck when you're used to it. And we've had so many, like it's, it reminds me every year, the big 12 basketball of like the NBA playoffs where you just get to know the team so well. And it gets chippy the second time around and the coaches are at each other's throats. And I just, I'm going to really miss that. And I, if they would add four, it'd probably be, I, I'd be fine with it because it's strength for the league and it secures Iowa state's future. And that's great. But I also, it's like, I don't necessarily think bigger is better with these conferences either. If it were up to me, we would have like 10, 10 team conferences. Yeah. I mean, I'm right there with you. And I, I, I'm going to miss the double round Robin because it gave everybody the opportunity to see everybody, you know, it's like every team in the league, or if there's a great player in the league, you know, think in the future, there could be a time where there's a great player at Baylor who never comes to Hilton Coliseum, you know, or there's a great player at, at wherever, like that never gets the opportunity to play at Allen Fieldhouse. Like those are the things that I think are, that's unfortunate that you're losing. And like, I just can't envision a world in where, which Iowa state does not go to Allen Fieldhouse, and which Kansas does not come to Hilton Coliseum every year where both of those things happen, where Kansas state, in Iowa state play a home and home at Bramlage Coliseum and at Hilton Coliseum where then, you don't go to Gallagher Iba, you know, like those are the things that have to continue because I mean, the Iowa state, Kansas state, Oklahoma state, they've played basketball against each other like 250 times, you know, like some, yeah. or something crazy like that. Well, and we're going to get to these stupid uneven schedules now. And then, you know, you got the tech fans. Well, you didn't have to play this team that, and you know, and like, I'm already bitter because Iowa state freaking somehow got BYU as its traveling partner. Oh, great. So you get to go out there and do that every freaking year and pro <laughs> that's brutal, but right. whatever, like it's, it's fine. But now we get into that deal. Like it's Iowa football and you, you go, you know, Hassel and I would no, Iowa has their crappy schedule next year. And then, and then a school like Nebraska has to play Ohio state or Michigan every year. Cause they're a better TV draw. And it's just so uneven that it makes it really hard to determine the actual like champion at the end. bigger is not better in college athletics, but for the first time since I've been doing this, it feels like the big 12 is acting in a actual position of strength. And that's a good thing. Man, like when I was asked to go and play Central Florida in basketball, like in mid January, that's not even. It's like this is a Big Twelve game. What is yeah. this? You know, no, I, <laughs> it, it's uh, it is what it is. I mean, football runs the ship. Central Florida better get their act together in basketball, though, because the rest of these teams are good. Yeah, you know, you get Cincinnati, BYU, and um, Houston. Like that's not those aren't slouches. Right now, Central Florida would be by far the worst prog- program in the Big Twelve, not and not even close to anywhere else. I was just saying they would have a they'd be a strong candidate to finish 0 and eighteen. Probably. Yeah. No, they really would. I don't yeah. know. They wouldn't win a game in this current league. No, no, no way. Maybe Unless they, they got lucky against you. One yeah. against Cincinnati. I guess Cincinnati's not great right now, but like they're all way better than that team is though. Yeah. All right. My last thing on the streaming, uh, on the, the media rights deals, I just, I think if you're the pac 12 and you're going to go in with Amazon, like you're making a conscious decision that we know this is not the best thing for us right now, but we're hoping it will pay major dividends for us in six years when all these other schools have to come onto the open market. Cause I just, I think that that's what I liked about what the big 12 did is they signed a new deal, but they didn't kick it so far down the road that they can't pivot relatively soon as technology continues to advance because right now the process of being able to stream games on prime and things like that, where you can't flip around to different channels and like, it just takes away from what you can do uh, just as an average college football fan. And if that's what you want people to watch that, those are the people you have to get. So it's like, how do we consolidate a lot of these things? And once you can do that, that's when I feel like it's like jump head first in, but anybody who does that before you're running a risk of being left behind in my mind. Yeah. If the ideal situation for like a Pac-12 or like what I was thinking for the Big 12, I never thought the Big 12 would have to go 100% with Amazon. That to me is a awful scenario. Um, that's I that's like be, the Valley. Like you're basically Valley Brad. No different than any yeah. mid-major league. You know, I kind of thought maybe it would be, you know, Amazon gets one game a week 
Yeah. Or they get 10 in the season too. But once the big 10, from what I understand of it, once the big 10 decided to go all network, right. With how it's doing that really, um, eliminated the big 12 from doing anything Amazon because Amazon was wanting to do like a big 10, big 12 type combination thing for, for football. But yeah, if, if they're, my guess is this is how it'll play out. If there's no expansion and stuff, the ESPN will have part of the pac 12 and Amazon will have the rest. ESPN is going to secure like a nine 30 game every Saturday night. So they can keep that time slot there after dark thing. And then everything else will be on Amazon and you'll rarely see pac 12 basketball, any of that stuff that, that to me is my guess as to where this is going. If the pac 12 is number one thing is revenue, they're going to have to sell more to Amazon than ESPN. I, th- if they want to maximize revenue, they're going to go a hundred percent with Amazon. But I just think that's a death wish. Mm-hmm. I just yeah. think that like, good luck convincing Stanford and Oregon that that's a good thing long-term right now. I just, I can't, I just can't see it. That that seems really hard, hard for me to believe, like from a recruiting standpoint, right? Yeah. Nike's great, but it only gets you so much, right? right. Like you've got to be able to be seen. All right, man. We'll, uh, we'll keep an eye on it. I'm sure you'll, uh, you'll keep us abreast of the situation anytime you hear anything. So I appreciate you taking the time to yeah. sit down with me tonight. We'll be back. With more cycle- We'll be back with more cycle fanatic radio after this on the morning sports station, 106.3 kicks. No. The Cyclone Fanatic Podcast Network is now fueled by the Mississippi River Distilling Company. It is located in Leclerc, Iowa and owned by Cyclones. In fact, one of them even used to be Cy. People ask us all the time, how can they help out at Cyclone Fanatic? Well, here's a way. You can pick up a delicious bottle of Cody Road bourbon or the very popular Iowish cream liqueur. Cyclone Fanatic is proud to be fueled by Cody Road. So cheers to our friends at the Mississippi River Distilling Company and go Cyclones. Gershman Mortgage, the Midwest's premier mortgage lender, is proud to be a part of the Cyclone Fanatic Podcast Network. Whether you're looking to purchase a new home, a vacation home, if you're going to upgrade or remodel that existing home, you can even refinance your current mortgage. Gershman Mortgage is here to help. With over 60 years in the mortgage industry, we have security, experience, and unmatched service. Visit our Ankeny office. Call 515-964-5952. Visit Gershman.com to get pre-approved today. Gershman Mortgage, NMS. LS number 138063, 1200 Southwest State Street, Suite E, Ankeny, Iowa, 50023, Equal Housing Lender. It's not whether you win or lose, it's whether you serve pork at your tailgating party. Hi, I'm Dave Struthers, and I'm here to remind you that Iowa pig farmers like me work hard year-round so you have safe, wholesome pork for the football season. Whether it's pulled pork sandwiches, ribs, or chops, nothing says tailgating better than pork. This message brought to you by Iowa Pork Producers through the Pork Checkoff. Make your tailgating delicious. Learn more at iowapork.org. Cyclone Fanatic is proud to partner with the Ivy College of Business at Iowa State University. As many business schools across the country are eliminating full-time MBA programs completely or moving them online, the Ivy College of Business is documenting all-time high enrollment for both the MBA and Master of Finance programs. To learn how a master's degree from the Ivy College of Business can boost your career, visit www.ivybusiness.iastate.edu. That's www.ivbusiness.iastate.edu. Go Cyclones! Many people are still working remotely, but a lot are gradually returning to their office, and that workplace has changed forever. Fortunately, dressing well for work has not. Mr. B and Clive has a great variety of different clothing options depending on your personal situation. Whether it's a traditional suit and tie or a casual pant and golf shirt for a Zoom call, we have what you need. Come see for yourself at Mr. B Clothing on 86th Street in Clive. Hey guys, it's Williams here for the Iowa Clinic and the Iowa Clinic Men's Center. This is not just a standard like, oh, I'm going to endorse the Iowa Clinic. No, this is real. I've gone to the Iowa Clinic now for, well, basically since I moved up here. So we're pushing a decade now. Dr. Nicholson 
and Ankeny is my go-to guy. But I've also had other stuff, you know, specialists I have to go to, all that stuff. And you know why I need to go see the specialist? Because I'm a man, and I go to the doctor because I want to be there for my two little girls. I want to be able to walk them down the aisle. I want to be there to hold their babies and be a grandpa someday. Be a man. Go to the doctor. iowaclinic.com. Tell them that Chris Williams and Cyclone Fanatic sent you their way. Hey guys, it's Williams here from Cyclone Fanatic on behalf of my friends at Nebraska Furniture Mart and Clive. They've been a part of the Cyclone Fanatic radio show here Thursday nights on KXNO for a really long time. We're, we're talking like half a decade now. They're great supporters of what we do and in return, we like to do the same to them. That's why anytime I need any electronics, anything like that, I call my friend Tim Mullen at Nebraska Furniture Mart and Clive. Not only do I get the best service in town, but they're Cyclone Fanatic supporters, big time. Give our friends at Nebraska Furniture Mart and Clive a call today and tell them Cyclone Fanatic sent you. This is Dr. Thomas Greenwald, board-certified orthopedic sports medicine physician. This is my 30th year taking care of Iowa State athletes, and I am a proud supporter of the Cyclones. As an orthopedic surgeon, I specialize in musculoskeletal care for athletes of all ages, from high school to collegiate athletes to adult weekend warriors. Trust McFarland Orthopedic Sports Medicine and my colleague, Dr. Warmy and I, for excellent sports injury care and rehabilitation. Visit us on the web at McFarlandSportsMedicine.com. Go Cyclones. All right, it's time for segment three of Cyclone Fanatic Radio here on Des Moines Sports Station 106.3 KXNO. I'm Jared Stansberry, and now to close things out on tonight's program, we're going to toss it off to Jacqueline Cordova and Ben Visser. They previewed Iowa State's wrestling duel with Northern Iowa coming up Friday night over in Cedar Falls. You can get a little insight on that here as we wrap things up on Cyclone Fanatic Radio right now. Coach, can you speak to the rivalry a little bit more? Because Iowa State does get to wrestle Iowa. Unfortunately, you don't get to. But, I mean, I could argue that the most competitive rivalry Iowa State has right now is you and I. I mean, if you go back over the last, let's say, seven years, it's pretty evenly split. I mean, there are a couple years there where you won multiple in a row. Iowa State won last year in pretty thrilling fashion. I know you're on the wrong end of that, but it was a phenomenal dual meet. How important is this rivalry for the state and for Iowa State and you and I? Well, it's part of why we want to be in the Big 12, too. Um, you know, we want to want to develop those kind of rivalries, and we want to we want to have. Um, in you know, everyone's like, well, you know, is someday more than others. I mean, everything's important, but you know, when you get this opportunity, and you know, for some of these guys, they said they get they get four in their career. Um, it's certainly one that you, you look forward to, you know, maybe a little bit more than the others, you know, and you shouldn't do that, but to say that you don't a little bit is that's a lie too. Um, but you know, for the state, I grew up in the state of Iowa, you know, to me, we're the wrestling universe and we want to have the three best teams in the country and rivalries are good. Uh, They, they, they help you raise the level of your program too. Um, and you know, Iowa State, they've they've done that. I mean, hopefully we're making it better. We're pushing them. They're making it better. And we're all there's a few teams, yeah, that are we're all chasing right now. Um, uh, but you know, heck they're they got a small number beside their name and um you know I, I mean I think that makes it that makes it a whole lot of fun. Um you know, they have been they've been very competitive duels. And fun and you know, I think those people are talking about oh, there's this duel going on Friday, there's this duel going on Friday. There's not going to be a better duel in the country than, than what's going on in Sea Falls and Iowa State. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And you 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 touched on something, Iowa being the center of the wrestling universe. And you're right. You have Iowa, Iowa State, and you and I, three schools that are traditionally and annually in the top 20 in those team rankings in wrestling. Obviously, Iowa is a national power, always ranked in the top five. Um and you don't get that from a lot of other states. Oklahoma, they get Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, but there's not that third school. Um, Ohio State or Ohio only has Ohio State. Pennsylvania has Penn State and Penn. So it's you're right. It's super unique that Iowa has three really, really high level wrestling schools. You know, you're talking about some of these other states, and that you know they kind of have one, one really good team. Um, and you know, we have three in in Iowa. <laughs> you know, I think we three top 15 teams and I know we all want to shrink that number. Um, you know, it, the best thing in the world would be if, 
you know, we, we, we're winning a national title and those are, those others fighting out for second. Absolutely. I mean, and really for you being, you know, you and I has just grown to such, you know, high levels and the way you guys continue to just really, you know, I don't know. I don't want to say shock because clearly the talent is there and it has been there the, from what you've built, but you know, what has that process been like for you, you know, finding those guys like, you know, Ben has a prepped question here for you. You know, you look at guys that you have really just taken from where they started as freshmen and created, you know, champions, you know, what has that process been like for you as you're out recruiting and really trying to build this powerhouse when you're competing against you, uh, Iowa and Iowa state. Yeah. I mean, the, the, ultimately the resources, uh, don't win. We all have the same amount of time, you know? So to me, it's what you put into that time. And then more than anything, it's having, having athletes that believe in the program. And this is where they want to be more than anywhere else, you know, and, and maybe we've seen something in them before someone else did, or, you know, it's really easy after the fact to be like, Oh, this guy's really good. You know? And you know, some of those things we see, hopefully we see before and we believe in them before they've, they've ever, they've ever reached that, that status, you know, where, where we already said, man, you're going to be there. And then, you know, you got to develop guys, you have to bring them along. Um, and that's a, that's a process and the belief that we have in them, they give it back to us. And then, you know, it's just a process that you continue to build on. And we've had a lot of guys, I think that have gotten better throughout their career. And we certainly take a, a lot of pride in that, that, you know, the guys that come here, they leave in a better place and not just as a wrestler, as a person. Um, and, you know, we're probably not always going to get, or for the most part, not going to get guys you can just slap on the butt and just, Hey, just go, <laughs> you know, we're going to have to have some of that development. Um, and we got guys that, that want to work, but he said, they believe, they believe in you and I, they believe in the coaching staff more than anything. And, you know, so now, you know, people ask, well, aren't you worried about this happening or this guy leaving or these things happening? Um, no, because I know, I know the relationships that we developed and I know that they understand that this isn't what happens everywhere. You know, I mean, the, the thing that's, that is to me, especially unique about you and I, or any place that you go is the people that you're going to be around and you don't get to have those anywhere. Um, and those guys are, yeah, I mean, I'm proud of, you know, you guys, you know, you, you're talking about, and really to me, what I'm saying, you're talking about resources, right? Well, how are you guys doing this with not having the, the resources? Uh, we have time and we just got to utilize our time better. And our guys, and our guys have to continue to buy in and believe in that. And they do. And we got a big ass chip on our shoulder, which is okay. Um, and we'll continue to use it and use it the right way. You can hear that whole interview with Northern Iowa wrestling coach Doug Schwab on the Reaction Time podcast right now on the Cyclone Fanatic Podcast Network. Jacqueline and Ben do a great job with that, and uh, I suggest that for anybody who is looking to get the lowdown on Iowa State wrestling as the rest of the winter moves forward. We'll be back at the same time, same place next week here on Des Moines Sports Station 106.3 KXNO.